Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Light the Tower. Your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Second hour of Life the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way, Jeff Howe with you. Our producer, Cam Parker, alongside as well. Jeff was continuing to marvel at the at the unique appearance the beaver gives you. Uh, I did find the clip where Greg Robinson said the beaver is the most diligent worker in the animal kingdom, noted for his ingenuity. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I remember him talking about that. I and I remember when he came back in 2013. I remember asking Cedric Reed and some of the other guys, "Has he has he mentioned uh, Coach Robinson mentioned anything about you know the Beaver?" He's like, "No, he's mentioned it a couple of times, but I don't really know what he's getting at." And of course, you ask Greg Robinson, he's like, "Well, Beaver? I, I have no idea what you're talking about." Uh, yeah, there's been no talk about beavers in this facility. Yeah. Uh, Nick in San Angelo, clean up from hour number one, said, I'm not sure what I missed, but the stream started just as Craig said. No, that this was just butt crack. <laughs> Florida man, maybe? Whatever it was, that'd be good. No, Nick, it wasn't Florida man. It was Aggie man. Uh, it was uh, College student, Station man. Yeah, who went streaking across, or partially streaking across the field. Went even half streaking, just partially, just kind of... If you're gonna do that, don't don't go half ass. Yeah. You gotta you gotta go big or go. Yeah, home. literally and figuratively. Yeah. Uh, he just kind of just kind of revealed <laughs> half of that. himself. Yeah. Uh, somebody else uh, put it in good terms, kind of along the lines of the way you're thinking, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Naked, no clothes on. Naked, no clothes on, and up to something. Yep, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Texter. Uh, Beaver Lance Jason said Darth Maul on the field, and Craig didn't channel his inner emperor voice. Opportunity lost. Yeah, you know there was very little interaction between the Emperor uh, and Darth Maul in uh, The Phantom Menace. Uh, but there was some patience, my friend. Is Keith a Star Wars guy or no? Uh, a little bit. Okay. A little bit. Not not uh, probably. But he knew Darth Maul. Okay. So he, he enough of it. And our man CB says, and, and I think he puts this well, The Phantom Menace is a bottom Star Wars movie, but the Duel of Fates fight scene with Darth Maul and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn, that's uh, Qui-Gon Jinn is, is, uh, is Liam Neeson, mm-hmm. is one of the all-time fight scenes. It is a great, uh, great fight scene, but he's exactly right. Of the nine in the catalog and the nine in the franchise, that's number nine is, is, the, is, the, is the chronological first movie. It's not the first one that was released, obviously, mm-hmm. 1977. That's it. It's the music while this is going on. Is it as good a fight scene as in uh, Rambo, Last Blood, when the cartel comes up on his ranch and the whole thing is booby-trapped? See, I didn't see Last Blood. 
So I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't know, but I'll well, tell you. Here's the deal. It's it's like it's like any of the Rambo movies. Like if you know what you're getting into, mm-hmm. it's in, it's a fun ride. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> my wife and I yeah. watched it, and she said, uh, "She's like, this, this plot's not very good." I'm like, "Maybe we're not watching this for a plot. I ain't watching this thing. It's Oscar caliber." I'm like, "Sooner or later, Rambo's gonna start, you know." Kicking ass and taking names. And sure enough, about 30 seconds later, he goes into a brothel and takes out about nine dudes with a claw hammer. I'm like, that's this is why I'm watching it. Yeah. Have you read yeah. the book? <laughs> no. So in the book, he dies. In the yeah. first, so they, and they made seven spinoff movies mm-hmm. over a book that he died. And uh, uh, I can't get past Damn that. Damn straight. In, uh, in Rambo First Blood, the one there where he's hiding in the, the, the mountains there in Oregon, mm-hmm. that yeah. one, so he dies in that he one? He dies at the very end. Oh, okay. He has a showdown with Big Tom Callahan. Okay, Brian Dennehy. Yeah, Brian Dennehy. Yeah. I was in a movie that Brian Dennehy was in. What? <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> I was I was in I was an extra in one scene. Uh what movie? It, it was called Split Image. And it was a uh it was definitely was a Google a, machine. A, uh, it had a uh, a pretty well known cast in it. Uh, the nineteen eighty two American drama film. Yep, that's it. Look at the cast: Peter Fonda, James Woods. Yep. Wow. All right. Yep. Yep. Uh, Elizabeth Ashley was in it, I believe. Bill Engvall. Wow. Tells the story of an all American college athlete who becomes involved in a youth oriented cult and his family struggle to bring him home. All right. That's it. You know who played uh, that played the athlete. No, Michael O'Keefe, aka Danny Noonan from Candy from Caddyshack. No way. Yep, Karen Allen of of Indiana Jones fame yeah, is like yeah. his girlfriend. Um, so Brian Denny, he was the dad, gotcha. trying to okay. get him deprogrammed. James Woods was the deprogrammer. Peter Fonda was the Happy Homelander uh, cult leader. <laughs> And uh, the cult, by the way, was uh, stationed out in Mesquite. By the way, the, uh, the 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 part that they that I'm an extra in, and you can see me clear as a bell in the opening credits of the movie. I'm standing with my buddy Alex, and we're clapping. It's at a gymnastics meet. They filmed this part at Northlake College. It was oh. in North Northlake in in, uh, in 1981, and we're like applauding like these fans. And he was this uh, outstanding gymnast at something called Drayton University. Drake McLean might appreciate that, but it was <laughs> called Drayton University, and he was like this outstanding uh, uh, gymnast. And uh, I, you you might have mentioned that, but the, I don't think you have. I think that's the first time you, you okay. mentioned that. I think the first time I ever saw I never saw it in um, release at at a theater. I saw it like on a CBS Late Movie one night. It was on. <laughs> I think it's the only time I've ever seen it. But uh, yeah. I'm I'm in like that opening scene, and I, I have the beard. I mean, I'm 20 years old, 21. I mean, and they asked me. I was wearing a Dallas Mavericks T-shirt when I went in that day for the shooting in the gym. They said, "Can you turn that T-shirt inside out?" Because they didn't want any, you know. So I did. I and if you look real close on it, you can see it kind of on the inside. It's a, a Mavericks logo, the old Mavericks That's awesome. logo. Yeah, yeah. So back back in the day with Brian Dennehy. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. So Craig and Big Tom Callahan. So, so if you want to do six degrees of separation between Craig Way and Chris Farley, you can do it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true.
that's true. I had forgotten about that with Tommy Boy. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, a lot of people go to college for seven uh, years. Female listeners, he says, it's first time you mentioned your acting career on the air. I don't recall hearing it. I was in another movie, um, and this was more of one of those industrial movies that made the rounds of the churches. It was another cult-type thing because that was a, a happening topic back then. And... Um, and they were shooting it out back of Park City's Baptist Church in Dallas, off Northwest mm-hmm. Highway. And it's me, and, and there's this other girl from North Lake College. And we're supposedly listening to this guy. And I got my arm around him. We're standing there. And the star of the movie, who gets lulled into that cold, comes up to me and goes, what's this guy talking about? And there's this tight shot of me close up. And I look at him, and they said, you can't say anything because I wasn't – I didn't have a SAG <clears> card. screen right. So I look at him, and I just, I just shrugged like – I don't know. You know, <laughs> and kept on doing. The name of that movie, if I remember correctly, was Heavenly Deception. And it was it was more of the industrial type. It okay. made its way around to the churches and things like that afterwards. But that yeah, that was what was going on back in the day <laughs> with with that. So uh Potato Head, by the so, way, said last blood that you pointed out to was the mm-hmm. start of the downhill slide for sliced alone to get the Tulsa King. He says Tulsa King is horrible. I've heard good things about Tulsa King. But I haven't seen it, so I don't know. So don't you know? Don't take my word for it because I hadn't seen it. I don't know. So there you go. I've seen Tulsa King. It's 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 all right. It's all right. It's not terrible. Okay. It's watchable. Yeah. Um. So somebody said, "I'm really surprised that people who are attracted to farm animals can count the seven when the pitch of the opposing team throws <laughs> seven straight balls." Jeez. <laughs> hey, it was it was well choreographed as it always is over there. Uh, but it was a, it was a uh, a nice win uh, for that. Uh, we do want to run the the uh, post game conversation with David Pierce. Do we want to do that now or during well, yeah, the I notebook? Just have to, I just have yeah. a question for you. So so all the, the two cult movies you were involved in, sure, it's really random. Yeah. Uh, so this is early eighties, right? Right. So this is like right on the heels of Jonestown and Jim Jones, right? Yes, that's think, why. You think that was just the absolutely. fascination with cults? Okay, that's it. Absolutely, what it was. Because was right Jonestown was, what, 78, nine. Yeah. 79, and this was like 80, 81 when these okay. were being shot. So absolutely, that's what – I got that you. That was, yeah. Makes all, sense. All the talk. Fits the, fits the time Especially frame. the split image one. Yeah. That was, that was true. That was like a – that was like a pre-Poor Man's Branch Davidian. I got you. Okay. Because okay. it was an entire community – that that sort of thing. As a, the other deal was a little bit different, uh, the 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 industrial one, uh, but but the the motion picture one was definitely like that. And one more thing about your Hollywood career, yeah. If you had if you had been able to take the role in Friday Night Lights, how how angry would you have been going through that playoff bracket if you had to call that thing? <laughs> You'd love that. <laughs> Whenever I point that because out, because I'm telling you, because I got the same like I had the same reaction, and I was told by my buddies I went to we, we, a bunch of us went to the movie when it came out, and they're like, "Dude, would you just shut up and enjoy the movie?" I'm like, "I can't when it is this." When, when you're showing Jesuits in the playoff atrocities. bracket, and that was, and it's a little easier to stomach Jesuit being in out since they are a UIL member. They yeah. weren't then, uh, and then some of the other schools, yeah. That and and to have it end up in the Astrodome, and it was just weird. I mean, the, all of that stuff was. It, 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 I think the part that dismayed me the most was that wasn't something that was that hard to do. A little bit of of research, homework. Yeah. Might have fixed that, uh, but 
it didn't happen that way. So anyway, it does doesn't matter now. Um, so and you've been in two two thirty for thirties. Trojan War and, and what Carter, Carter, what, what Carter, Carter lost. lost. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, <laughs> King text General Contractor text, and it says Tulsa King. The key word there is King. Tulsa King is awesome. Somebody asked me if I have an IMDb page. No, I do not. I do not. <laughs> I don't have a SAG card or anything like that. Entirely surprised that anyone can dog on Tulsa King. It's not Shakespeare, but it's pretty dang entertaining. When you watch a Stallone movie, just know what you're getting into. <laughs> Same thing with Cocaine Bear, right? And we exactly. haven't seen Cocaine Bear yet, but we know, right? Just know what you're getting into. Yeah, un- understand it's enjoyable. that. So somebody said, what's the all-time consecutive win streak for Texas baseball? Well, they started the 77 season 34-0. And did not make the NCAA tournament because they had no Southwest Conference tournament in yeah. those days, and uh, finished second or third, uh, second in the standings, I think, to Baylor, and uh, and wound up not not getting in to a regional. I was thinking about that because uh, stuff like that. Uh, Kevin Flaherty, my good friend, and I were talking mm-hmm. about that because I stayed with him in Kansas City, and we were talking about it. You know, there was a big deal. Carolina was the first team since NC State and what was that, 77 to start the year as the AP number one and not make the NCAA tournament? 75. But that NC, NC State, State team was like eighth in the country because the field hadn't expanded yet and you only had, I think, two two teams per conference went. 75, you're, you're almost 100% correct on everything there. 75 was the first year they expanded the tournament to 32 teams. To 32, right. It, it wasn't 64. It, 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 it was 25, and there were like seven teams that would get a bye, including like the ACC tournament champion would get a bye in, in the first round. But they expanded to 32. And that year, 1975, North Carolina State was the defending national champion and still had David Thompson. Mm-hmm. They didn't have Tom Burleson, the, the 7-4 center, the one that – Bill Walton flipped off, and I told that story <laughs> on the air. Your father was probably right. Um, uh, but they did have Monty Tao, and they did have uh, David Thompson. They were the defending national champs, and they were number one. And they won the ACC regular season. Uh, North Carolina, with a freshman by the name of Phil Ford, finished second, and Ford just completely captivated everyone and just took over the ACC tournament, and they beat NC State in the ACC tournament championship, 70-66. Maryland got selected. They finished in that second-place tie with Carolina, who had beaten them uh, in the semifinals of the tournament. Maryland uh, got into the tournament as an at-large. It's the first year they had at-larges in a bracket of 32. NC State did not, and uh, NC State refused to go to the NIT, so they just shut it down. That was it. But that was the last time you had a team ranked number one in the preseason that did not make the NCAA yeah. tournament until this year with North Carolina, as you pointed out. So, yeah, uh, that happened there. Um, somebody want to know, is uh, Sam Hurd the original cocaine bear? <laughs> and then uh, Abe from Midland was um, talking about re- renamed upset. Oh, upset that Midland High was not renamed in Friday Night Lights. Yeah, um, or was renamed. Um in uh, Friday Night Lights. So, anyway, uh, somebody else asked it about this. The name of that movie with Brian Dennehy, Split Image, yeah, and that last film, uh, that last film, I think it was called Heavenly Deception. Uh, so I'll have to check that one out. I'm seen and never go back with Tom Cruise and My All-American with Justin Street and Aaron Eckhart. Yeah, 
There you go. So, you know, those moments where you get an opportunity to be a part of something like that. Yeah. So a lot of fun. All right. Uh, before we get to the break, the, uh, after that Longhorn win last night, uh, Keith Moreland was down on the field and uh, visiting with David Pierce. And it was, it, you'll hear them talk about it being in the truest sense of the word, a team victory when you consider the amount of guys who played in that game, the different number of guys who contributed offensively, defensively as well, and the pitching. And yeah, it got a little, little interesting there in the eighth and ninth. With Zane Morehouse, hey, his nickname is Nightmare, okay? <laughs> so, uh, but um, uh, there was, but he did work around the trouble in both the eighth and the ninth. Uh, LeBaron Johnson got the win in a uh, in a uh, uh, designated start. Went three innings to to get the win on that. So this was the conversation Keith Moreland had on the field uh, in the post game with David Pierce. Skipper, the first thing that jumps off the page, it's always good to win over here, but win is it? This is a team win. I mean, there's so many different elements in going on. I mean, the offense did their job. When you had to have it, you made defensive plays. I, I thought I thought Thomas's play in the eighth inning was gigantic to go up and get that ball. No doubt. I mean, he had to go as high as he could to extend for that. And if he, if he doesn't get to it, it's first and third, and I think one out, you know, they get a rally going. But... Yeah, it's such a team win. I, I mean, from from every guy that pitched to some great defensive plays, we turned a couple of double plays. You know, we left 15 guys on base, but scored five. But we got them there. We just didn't come up with one extra hit. But I'm so proud for Eric Kennedy. I mean, this is his first, and he had four hits. He was determined to make sure that this team uh, comes up comes out on top. So really proud of our entire team entire coaching staff all right the next one i have for you you went there but i'm gonna let you expand just a hair the top three in this order over this 15 games have been exceptional well you could add the next two i mean yeah g and porter have been exceptional as well so you got five guys being productive and then some guys pitching in on the bottom i mean ek powell dc they're different threats, too. I mean, they can run, they can put the ball in play, they can lay it down, they can hit the ball the ballpark. So we just need to keep doing it. Just really just keep every single day, come out with such a positive attitude and just see how we can get better and get ready for Oklahoma State. Yeah, get ready for Oklahoma State. And uh, that's what it comes down to. Getting ready for Oklahoma State Friday, Saturday. Oklahoma State, by the way, was lost to Dallas Baptist last mm-hmm. night. 8 nothing. Yep. The Cowboys have had some trouble with their midweek games, uh, but uh, other they lost two out of three in Lubbock to Texas Tech, and um, then turned around and swept Baylor uh, last weekend. So uh, we'll see we'll see how it goes this weekend. And uh, O'Brate Stadium is is a lot different than uh, Ali P. Reynolds in so many ways, physical structure. Cleanliness. Are the, are the fences pushed further back than two hundred feet? Uh, yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, it's just, it, yeah, uh, all of that. It's beautiful. It's a jewel of a ballpark there, and they play tough there too, as well, just as they used to in the old band box. You want to know why Pete Incavilia hit forty eight home runs <laughs> when he was uh, playing there in one season, and uh, and Robin Ventura had such uh, lofty numbers? Take a look at those outfield fences when like three eighty seven to. To near the center field wall, you know that sort of. And as Keith Moreland pointed out, they had to they've in, installed a fifty foot screen well behind that to keep home run balls from landing onto the cowgirl softball 
field. Uh, that, but now that's not an issue yeah. because it's up on the hill now where the where the new ballpark is. Like Pete Cavilia with an aluminum bat just sounds yeah. terrifying. Sounds very quite unfair, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, especially in those days too. Like, can you imagine last year if if Ivan hit with one of those old bats? The trampoline effect that would have happened oh. off of that. Yeah, so only in Greenville might not have landed. Yet. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, that's uh, uh, that. You know, that's who they have next. Uh, Texas Tech, still kind of in the funk, got swept by Texas, went out to Albuquerque and lost on a walk-off to New Mexico 11-10. to yeah. So they're still, I think, uh, trying to define and figure out some bullpen things that had happened there. TCU bounced back. They beat the UTA big last night. Baylor lost to uh, Abilene Christian last night. It's going to be a rough year for the Bears. Uh Kansas State beat Air Force 12 to 9. Air Force will be here next Tuesday. Now they don't have Paul Skeens anymore. No. He's on his way to perhaps becoming the SEC player of the year and, and an all-American uh pitching for LSU. Um so so he's doing that. And Jay Johnson by the way is uh uh not allowing him to hit. Right. He's just pitching. So um that you know they they don't uh, they don't Air Force doesn't have him anymore, but they still have the middle of the lineup guys who swung the bat well. So uh, that'll be the next home game. It'll be next Tuesday. It's a four o'clock in the afternoon game. And, and real quick, Craig, uh, you know when this team started off rough, and we were getting questions about, oh, why didn't they get this guy out of the portal? Why didn't they get this out of the portal? Uh huh. I think, and David Pierce will tell you, like this team is still in, in, in a lot of ways a work in progress. But the fact that you've gotten what you've gotten to this point in this winning streak from. Garrett Gilmet and Porter Brown, your two of your portal guys. That's it shows that yeah, this this staff did identify some quality bodies in the portal that are helping them win baseball games. And it wasn't like they didn't try to get Paul Skeets. Yeah. Uh-huh. I know that for a fact. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, he just he chose LSU. So anyway, that's uh that's the story with that. All right. Uh coming up, we'll have our longhorn notebook when we continue. And we also have a Flex thirty update here on Light the Tower on the Horn. 1049, 1019, AM twelve sixty, live local and digital on the Horn app and in hornfm.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Craig Way and Jeff Howe light the tower. Here's a scary thought. Our good friend Monty Williams. Those in the morning refer to him as Jurassic Monty. You hear him quite often with Bucky and Aaron. Just text me and said, when next I see you, I will have seen that movie. 
<laughs> split image, and expect a screen grab from CB on your appearance in the opening credits. Uh, it's, um, yeah, listen, uh, Monty, it, it, with your sophisticated taste in motion pictures, prepare to be largely unimpressed, even with A-list names in in that uh, motion picture, like a Peter Fonda and James Woods, like- Elizabeth Ashley, uh, and then, uh, and then, uh, like, uh, like I said, uh, <laughs> Michael O'Keefe was an, isn't exactly an A-lister, even although he was the star in Caddyshack. I wonder if Monty hears like my taste in movies and just wants to pour him a big, nice glass of drain cleaner afterwards. <laughs> I think he's used to the varied taste in the motion picture industry. All right, it's time uh, now for how about a Flex Thirty update. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. All right, Cam. We'll preview tonight. Flex ATX show back up and running again this evening. What's on deck? So me, Zach Lucero, and Nolan Holgan, we're going to have the brand-new Del Valley head coach, uh, Todd Patman, the former Bastrop head yeah. coach. who took over after uh, Bobby Acosta, who was at IMG Academy before. Now he's the offensive coordinator at Arkansas Pine Bluff. So Acosta moves to the Lions, and that brings in uh, Patman over to Del Valley. So we'll have him in on the show tonight, talk to him about his new position, of course, um, He used to coach Seth Mauser, who's now at UTEP. He's a quarterback there. We had Seth on the show a few weeks ago, so we'll talk about Seth and his new role over at uh, Dell Valley. So it should be a good show, 7 o'clock tonight. You can listen right here or catch it on the Flex ATX podcast. Okay, let me say for the record, Todd Patman is a good dude. I've known him for years. Here's another reason why I knew him. Uh, His son, Tyler, played at Vista Ridge, was actually on the Dallas Cowboys briefly, played at Kansas, played at Oklahoma State, um, Todd would give me good-natured grief because Todd went to UCL. He went to Central Oklahoma. He played there, but it was a big Oklahoma Sooner honk. So he would give me grief, you know, during those early two thousands when when Oklahoma was winning its five in a row. But I've I've known Coach Patman a long time. Good guy. All right, so good, good that he'll uh, be on with you tonight. All right, there's our Flex Thirty update. Time now for us to move forward, and that is right in to our Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Craig, I'm going to throw a name at you. Let's get back to talking some spring football. Sure. How many times do you think you've called David Benda's name over the last, uh, what was it, four years? A fair amount. I mean, but but always, always, and I think this is probably the point you're driving at, always being inserted in a situational type of thing. Um, And, and of course, uh, David Benda... Remember that that brief time when he went into the backfield? Yeah, there was that as mm-hmm. well. Uh, or I think it was early 2019. Yeah, and there was that running back shortage on campus. Yep, uh, came in from Cinco Ranch, and uh, uh, he um, and and has always been a great program guy, and just and worked really really hard. And that's a guy. Uh, Sark made a point to single him out to talk about uh, the progress that he's made at that linebacker position. And. That's what I wanted to get to because one of those position battles that we've talked about is that linebacker spot, that that Will linebacker next to Jalen Ford, the, DeMar, the spot DeMarvin Overshone manned last year. And 
you know, Leongo LaFau, Anthony Hill, Mo Blackwell. I continue to be a Mo Blackwell truther. Yes. We, we've looked at all those guys as, as potential candidates for those jobs. And But David Benda got started there during the spring. And like you said, Sark has made it a point to, to talk about David Benda's progress. It's really rare, Craig, in the era of the transfer portal and especially one-time transfer where you get a guy who's around five years that can make that rare leap from he's kind of a backup his whole career and then, boom, he just has a breakout year as a senior. And they really have – I know there's some guys that get talked about at Texas, but we really haven't seen guys that go just like from you're kind of on the fringe of the roster to then one year you're a, you know, a front-line player. So John Harris fits that bill. I mean, John Harris – that nine catches his first three years, then has a thousand yard season yeah. in twenty fourteen. Uh, Tope Amade is one of those guys. You know, granted, it was Denzel Okafor's knee injury that his leg injury that got Tope into the starting lineup. But Tope was a guy that I hardly played at all. You know, he redshirted in sixteen, then seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. Didn't hardly play. Got a couple of degrees at Texas, but then he played over five hundred snaps in twenty twenty one. Once Okafor got hurt, so. Yeah, you know, you think about you think about some guys that just had to overcome injuries. Like you think of like a Fozzie Whitaker. Like Fozzie gets thrown into that discussion, but I don't think Fozzie should because the only problem Fozzie had early in his career was he, there were times where he just couldn't stay healthy. And once Fozzie was healthy towards the end, then we saw what kind of a productive player he was until that god awful Missouri turf nearly cost him his career. Thank yep. goodness it didn't. But David Bend is one of those guys that maybe he's that that guy that's primed to to make that jump. And like I said. More often than not, a guy in David Bendis' position, after probably year two or three, he's in the portal and he's going to play somewhere else. But credit to him for sticking it out, and he's got a chance to go win that job. And I, I really think, Craig, if Benda wins that job, you you could start to maybe see that off-ball linebacker position at Texas that I've talked so much about in the last probably four or five years because the dynamics of that position have changed so much. You know, with more... It's not only more space and pace offense, but the way the rules are, the way football is being governed on the field, you almost have to have more space and pace guys that can play that style of play, be sideline to sideline guys at linebacker. Like you're, I know I said this about 10 years ago, but it really is true now. Like your you're guy like LeVon Kirkland, who was like a 200, almost a 300-pound linebacker that was a C-gap to C-gap thumper, that guy's at best a situational player right now, mm-hmm. and you just don't see that many just big hulking linebackers anymore. I mean, your linebackers really are like a Jalen Ford. You're like, you know, six one, six two, like two hundred thirty, two hundred thirty five pounds. If you're two forty plus, you're on the big side for a linebacker. So, but we've seen Texas recruit that position better. We know they hit a couple of home runs. This staff feels like they hit grand slams in the 2023 class with Anthony Hill and Leonga LaFowle. And those guys have been good. The reports on those guys have been good. But if David Bend ends up winning that job, now you're maybe talking about a position that you're starting to see talented depth with the right kind of guys that not only can that play work in the Big 12, that's going to translate to the SEC because go watch an SEC game and look how much space and pace is being played in that league now. True. It's still a line of scrimmage league in that league. It always has been. It always will be. But, you you know, you've got so many athletes and the body types of the linebackers have changed. So, uh, again, maybe you get talented depth. You start to see that form if David Benda is that guy. He's just put him in the category for me of – Really intriguing guys that by the time you get to the spring game, I want to see what that looks like. I want to see what it looks like him running with that number one defense. Because, again, a guy right. that we just assumed it's going to be one of the younger guys that takes that job, but 
he right now he's got as good a chance as any of them. You know, I think to a lesser extent, like Anthony Cook was kind of like that. You know, he's a, he's a corner and then kind of went inside to nickel, entered the portal at one point, then came back, and then it's like he ends up at safety last year. It's like man, Anthony Hill goes or Anthony Cook, excuse me, goes from a guy that man at times you forget he was on the roster to one of your two or three most indispensable players on defense, played the last five games of the broken forearm. So it can happen. It's rare that it happens now, but keep an eye on David Bender to maybe be that John Harris type guy for this 2023. It's an interesting comp uh, there. Okay. We we were talking about on the podcast yesterday, and, uh, you know, I I just asked Rod about it. You know, I just wanted Rod's take on it. Matt chimed in too, like, you know, do you think David Bender can hold on to this job? And it's like, well, if he does – because you know how good the young kids are. Mm-hmm. If he holds those guys off. That means he's obviously doing it. Yeah, I don't think it would say as much for their lack of development as it would say for, man, just credit the credit the vet for going and winning the job. Yeah. So he, the linebacker is always a position that I'm, I'm watching, like I said, with the way it's evolved. And maybe David Bend is that guy that takes that big, that John Harris-like leap this year. Okay. All right. Yeah. Interesting. All right. I, I, I I hadn't really thought of it that way, but that's a good way to good way to look at it as well. Um, uh, Dwight Rabbit says, uh, great to hear your call with Keith last night. He was in my CBS group a few years ago. Thanks for a clear perspective announcing games in the daily broadcast. Appreciate that, David. Thank you uh, very much. Why so much love for Skeens? I saw him in person at our regional last year, and we hit all over that dude. Uh, because he's 6'6", six, six and he... Throws 100 miles an hour. Yeah, and he's – look at his numbers this year with LSU. Uh, Why don't you stall for a minute, Craig? Let me pull that up okay. on the machine. Uh, somebody said, in the movie Split Image, were you the one who turned the score in the gymnasium? No, I'm just standing and applauding there in that opening scene. <laughs> CB says, sorry, Monty, I couldn't find the movie. Craig was – I'm telling you, that thing has disappeared from view. Yeah, of course, Monty has some – Entree into the film industry that none of us possess. So, yes. Would you like the numbers on Paul Skeens this year, Craig? I'm sure the texter would like to know those numbers on Paul Skeens this year. Five appearances, all starts. He's 5 0 with a 0.59 ERA. That's why the love for Paul Skeens, okay? (laughs) Good Lord. (laughs) That's why the love for Paul Uh, Skeens. Okay, in. uh, How many innings? How about in 30 and one third? How does 59 strikeouts to four walks sound? Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why he's going to be a very, very high draft choice. <laughs> well, let me, factor this. let me look at this strike percentage real quick. Okay. To, uh, you uh, can by, go ahead, Craig. Uh, well, by the way, it. somebody, uh, uh, Ryan asked, he said, do you have any updates on uh, Eric Nadell? Um and it said, uh, I haven't heard anything since last week. Got a text from a buddy. Uh, no. Uh, Eric is, a very, to be a Major League Baseball Hall of Fame broadcaster, is a very private person. And uh, he announced last week that he would miss opening day and that he was going to step away uh, for a bit uh, uh, with, I think, exhaustion was one of the words, and for mental health yeah. reasons as well. So he will not be with the Rangers when or he'll not be in the booth when the Rangers open the season tomorrow. Tomorrow. Opening day is tomorrow. Um Jeff I mentioned yesterday, um, before he came in because I said the the um three biggest Astros fans in this building 
in no particular order are you, Aaron Hogan, and Patrick Davis. There you I throw Rod Babers in there too. Yeah, but I think you guys are on a little bit different level okay. in terms of it. I mean, Rod will outdo anybody with the ghost folks, but I think you guys might be a little bit of slightly higher level in terms of the the uh, the deep dive you do on a lot of the stuff. I think, I think doing a show with Hardball Hards, Rod's, Rod's fandom is yes. maybe creeping up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The but Hards is a Rangers fan, right? Right, but just any time yeah. you're talking, you're around Mike Hards, you, yeah. you can talk baseball. You'll, you'll By the some, way, speaking of knowledge. which, they have Chipper Jones on today, the Hall of Famer. One of my favorite yeah. ball players of all yeah. time. So they, they have him on this afternoon. But, um, yeah, that was uh, interesting in, in that uh, – uh, so we were talking about the Astros, and the other night, spring training game playing – the Sugarland Space Cowboys <laughs> at Constellation Field. So, yeah, uh, it was it was interesting watching that as well. All right, we'll be back to wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower on the Horn. Okay. Oh gosh, Angela Horn says he pulled the movie right up on YouTube. There you go. All right, good luck on that. Look at the opening scene. You'll see me standing there. Uh, applauding during that next to my buddy Alex Uh, I'll be out tomorrow I'm traveling to beautiful Payne County, Oklahoma where the Longhorns will be taking on Oklahoma State in Stillwater so uh, on Friday through Sunday so Jeff will be here tomorrow don't you mean Stillwater I'll check in I'll be on on, uh, on Friday up there so we'll look forward to that Stay tuned. Chad's there up next for our man behind the glass, our producer, Cameron Parker, and for my co-host, Jeff Howe. I'm Craig Way. Thanks for joining us. We'll visit with you next time on Light the Tower.